Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. Word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen? amen. I said amen. amen. That's your portion again today in Jesus' name. Amen. The word will enter your heart. Amen. You will have light. You will have direction. Amen. You will be healed in every area. Amen. And the image of Jesus will be perfected in you. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please greet somebody on your left and your right. Tell the person, God's wisdom is your portion. You are wise with the wisdom of God. Amen. Take your seats. The Lord is good. Now, can we open our Bibles? I want us to read um, something from the book of... Well, a number of books. Let's start from the, with the one from the book of Revelation. Uh, Revelation chapter uh, 12. We start with that. We're talking about overcoming Satan's schemes, Satan's devices. We have established the fact that he has schemes, he has devices. That's the only power he has inherent in himself uh, concerning the lives of Christians. He doesn't just get up in the morning and say, and then he will say to himself, I want to kill somebody, and God will allow that. No, he doesn't have that power. He cannot just get up and decide, I want to destroy somebody's business. He doesn't have that power inherent in him. The Lord has not granted that to him. What he has is schemes. Let's not ever forget it. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people don't pray right because they have a wrong idea. Do you understand? They are boxing, like Paul said, as one punching the air. They don't understand that what we are do- dealing with is not somebody who is powerful in himself, but somebody who, before he can do anything against us, he has to go and set his petition before the throne of the Most High God. Sometimes people say that it is heresy. Actually, here <laughs> I heard a preacher preach it, that that statement I just made is heresy. I don't know what is heretical about it. You just made a statement that Satan cannot do anything except God expressly permits him. And that's taught all over the scriptures. Even for him to tempt, God sets a limit to the temptation. I hope you know that. It's not in your Bible. Job, an example. And Paul said it clearly. He would, he would not allow you to be tempted beyond the one that you are able to handle. It's like that in the scriptures. Even that temptation we're talking about. Even that temptation. If God says you can't go beyond this level, too bad, he can't. So let's keep stop, let's stop looking at him as somebody we have to worry about in the morning and pray about at night and fight him, you know, wake up at 2 a.m. to modulate the activities of witches. People think that you should wake up at night and pray against what Satan is doing. There is nothing like that. Waking up at night to pray is good. Jesus used to get up a great while before dawn, but Satan was not the reason. I hope you are getting my point. Uh-huh. Don't, don't allow Satan to give you direction in life. Satan was never the reason. He would get up, get up, you know, a great while before dawn and go and talk to the Father and go and meditate on what the Father wants him to do and pray concerning the disciples, the apostles he was about to choose. Satan is not the problem. 
Satan should never keep you awake. Do you understand my point? People say, if I want to pray like that, I said, if I want to pray about the devil, I must eat first. He said, you fast. I said, why should I fast? You are giving him too much respect. I want to fight fast. No, you don't fast because of Satan. What kind of rubbish is that? It is against the law of God. When we are fasting, let me say it again, is to seek the face of God. That's it. It's to seek his face. And you see that as we go on today. I want to talk about something in that regard. Now, I said we should open somewhere, right? Yeah, the book of Revelation chapter 12. Okay, Revelation chapter 12. Now, I just want to read a short part. Let's see from verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He accuses them before our God day and night. Now notice the object was what? Accusation. What he was trying to do is accuse. His work is accusation. He's not, he's not fighting them day and night. He's not trying to make them have an accident, um, have a car accident when they travel day and night. What he's doing is what? Accusing. And the Bible says, and they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb. And because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. Let's just read the next verse. For this reason rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. Now, I just wanted to read that. So we are continuing talking about this overcoming the schemes of the devil, all right? I want to begin to look at how we overcome actually by the blood. Now I want you to notice something here. First of all, what were they overcoming? Who can just give me one word for it? Accusations, thank you. What were they overcoming? Accusations. But it's so important we understand that. Because many times people are praying and they are shouting the blood of Jesus, they don't understand what the overcoming there is about. They don't understand. They think it's fight over their money. They think it's fight over their health. They think it's fight over their promotion. You understand? Over their safety when they are traveling on the road. That's not what the fight is about. What the believer is overcoming here is what? Accusation. Remember we said it before. Satan does not have that kind of power people think he has. He has the power to tempt and deceive. That's one. And then next is what? Accusation. That is when we have something in us that he, that belongs to him. Jesus said the prince of this world, the ruler of this age is coming and he has nothing in me. Now it's when we have some, when we have, when he has something in us, he cannot even directly come and afflict us. Please get the point. God is the judge of the whole earth. You know, I was talking to my, uh, okay, my, my wife and I discussed something the other day. Somebody we know that, um, a family, and they said that, uh, they were supposed to quit, you know, they supposed to leave a house, and the landlord said, alright, they should leave by a particular date. So I was explaining something to my wife. I said, listen, because there was an issue about it. She was just asking me about, you know, um, the, what the law says about, um, uh, ejecting a tenant and all of that. So I said, now this is where I'm going, that do you know, I said he has, he or she has a right to give a certain amount of notice. 
I said, now, the notice has to be within the law. For example, if the fellow is a yearly tenant, a certain number of months that you must give, period, a period of time you must give as notice. Now, because I don't want to say what is not accurate, so I'll just, let's assume it's five months, this is three months or six months. I'm not very sure. Now, I said, even when that period, which is by law, you have the rights, okay, you have to leave my house, I give you a minimum of six months notice. I said, when that six months is over, you don't eject the tenant. You can't. You now go to the court to go and apply for them to eject the tenant. You can't just go there and say, I gave you six months, it is over. You break the door and start throwing their things out. You will go to jail. You are the landlord, is your personal problem. You will go to prison. They will sue you. You will have serious problems. So when that period is over, you will return to the courts and show that I gave them six months notice and they have refused to move. You cannot apply for the courts to eject them. It's only the court that has a right to forcefully eject somebody from a house, even though the house is your own. Learn the lesson from the fig tree. That's where I'm going. Satan doesn't have the people after you have fallen for his temptation. He doesn't have any power yet. He has to take that accusation to God and say before the judgment throne of God, Peter has sinned. He has denied the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, I want to sift him like wheat. And not only him, John too ran away. Let's not talk about Thomas. Where were all of them? They all disappeared and they left only Jesus. They are not qualified to leave. They denied him. Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I will... It starts quoting. That was why Jesus quickly said, I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. Please get the point. See, Satan cannot just barge in and kick you out even because that's even though you sinned. That is why accusation is what he has to do. And don't ever forget this. God is just. Don't ever forget it. God the Father is just. Which means even though you are his child, if the evidence is strong against you, he rules against you. We have to understand these things. Christians, when they don't understand, they pray wrongly. They put their energy where it's not supposed to go. Notice what the blood does here. The blood is how they shut down the accusation of Satan. I hope you get the point. They use the blood to shut down the accusation of the enemy. They don't sprinkle the blood on their enemies. All my enemies, the blood of Jesus is one of the most meaningless statements invented in modern Christianity. Washing your, the road. How can you be washing the road with the blood of Jesus? What the roads in Nigeria need is coal tar or concrete. Doesn't need the blood. Let's discuss what needs the blood. Let's open our Bibles. First John chapter one. This is the verse five. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Please notice it. 
The blood of Jesus cleanses us from what? All sin. Now, this is how the blood works. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we, however, if we rather confess our sins, he says in verse 9, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What he does is he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. How does he do it? By the power of his blood. Look at it again. He said the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, if we go back to that, don't bother opening to it, but where we read just now in Revelation 12, you see that this is what the blood does. The blood does not work on your enemy. I, don't, I hope you are following my point. It doesn't work to secure the road for you when you are traveling. It does not work when you apply it on your property. That's not how the blood works. What the blood does, what it was given for. Quickly again, let's read a few scriptures. Le- Le- Leviticus chapter 17. Just to show us how the blood works. So we'll stop wasting the blood. Thank God it's inexhaustible. Otherwise, there will have been severe shortage now. And that's accounted for by misuse. There will have been severe shortage. Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. It is the blood, he said, for it is the blood by reason of the life that makes atonement. Please notice it. What does blood do? It makes atonement. This is the Old Testament way of talking about the cleansing that comes by the blood. He said it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to do what? Take away sin. What the blood of Jesus came to do was to, or is to, take away sin. Is the cleansing that the blood does. So if we are overcoming by the blood, we should bear these things in mind. We are not overcoming by sprinkling the blood on everything. Before you eat this food, the blood of Jesus. Again, that has no meaning. When you want to eat food, the Bible says you do what? Give thanks. When you give thanks, you sanctify the food. Thanksgiving sanctifies what you are eating. It is not pouring the blood on top of it. The place you apply the blood is on your heart. The place you apply the blood is over your soul. If I may use that expression here. It's over your life. It's you that the blood of Jesus works on. Do you understand that? Now we're going to look at it in two dimensions now. Because later on we'll talk about the fact that the blood speaks. It speaks. The Bible says it speaks better things than the blood of Abel. It speaks better things than the blood of Abel. But the first thing I want us to understand is how we apply the blood to our lives. In New Testament Christianity, that is, as believers in Christ Jesus. The blood, like I said, the Old Testament people, they sprinkle it on themselves, sprinkle it on the objects of worship. But all of those things now represent us as believers. Are you getting my point here? So what we do with the blood is simply to apply it on ourselves. How do we apply the blood? If you go back to where we read just now, First John chapter 1, it says if we confess what? Our sins. What the blood does is to remove sin and the power that it gives to Satan in accusation. I hope you're getting my point. Last time we spoke extensively about sin, why we should fear. Two reasons why we must fear. Remember, Jesus was head in what? In that he feared. 
And we said there are two reasons why we must fear. Number one fear is the fear of judgment. Literally, yes, the fear of punishment. Let nobody, should, let nobody say to you that Christians are never punished for their sins. It's not true. Um, Paul said it like this. If we judge ourselves, we will not be judged. If we don't, we'll be judged. Some, some of the Gospels we preach, <laughs> anyway, judgment is coming against those Gospels, those, those, those messages, all right, in a short while. No, they don't help Christians. To say Christians can continue walking in sin and nothing will happen is not true. It's totally not true. Let me tell you how bad it is. Paul had to give a Christian over to Satan. He said it's safer for the man. Because if God handles him by himself, there will be no remedy. So he found it better. Let's harass this man now. Paradventure he will repent. And it worked. Because if he doesn't repent, if God handles him by himself, go and read the letters of Jesus to the churches in the book of Revelations. Listen, people of God, God judges sin. We must never forget that. He does. He judges iniquity. That is one reason. Second reason we say we must fear. When God has invested so much, when we realize how important we are in what God is doing, we also fear. That's the second reason. We recognize that if Jesus has sinned, he will have spoiled the plan of the ages because it will no longer be a, a, a lamb without blemish. Why the other high priests could not do their job was that they first had to offer a sacrifice for their own sins. And Jesus had to be a different type. He was one that must not have any need to offer this, any sacrifice for his own sins. I hope you're getting my point here. So he feared, let's not mess this thing up. And we said last time, don't forget, you are also important in an area of life. There are things that God wants to do that you can mess up. There are things the Lord wants to do, I can mess them up. For that reason, we fear. We fear that if I run away from where God placed me to go and earn some few extra uh, amounts of money, I may make it impossible for the next generation to experience some things. Your life was given to bring a part of God onto the earth. When God wanted to bring a part of himself, he sent you. Are you getting my point? You know what he said concerning Jesus? Sacrifice and offering you have not desired. Therefore, a body was prepared for me. He said, I have come. In the volume of the books it is written of me to do thy will. That is when God had the problem. Can we use that expression? He prepared a body for his son Jesus. And this is what I want to say to you. When he looked at Nigeria, he looked at whatever country you are in, and he said, they have the problem. He prepared you and sent. That's, look what I've told you, as a matter of fact. He prepared you and sent. And the fact that he sent you does not mean you can't say no. That's why I preached some time ago. I called it God is, God is recruiting. I explained that God has a plan for everybody's life and is still recruiting. Why did he make Isaiah? He made him a prophet. Yet he made him hear him shout, who shall I send? Who will go for us? He still demands that you... You volunteer to do that which he sent you to do. Are you getting my point? That's how God is. He created it for a purpose. Having created it for a purpose, he still demands that you volunteer to do. It has to be by faith. That's why the angel, Mary didn't just wake up one morning and discover she was pregnant. The angel came to her and talked to her. The same angel went to Elizabeth and talked. He said, where is it written? Don't worry. It was Elizabeth that her faith worked. If they did not seal the mouth of uh, John's father, Zachariah, that would have been the problem, the end of it. Elizabeth would have miscarried. Now, what am I going to say? So, we still have to volunteer. 
Now, what am I teaching there? We should fear. The purpose of God may fail in our hands. And listen, you don't get away with it. You hear what I said? You don't scuttle God's plan and get away scot-free. No Christians don't fear. One day Jesus will come and you have a report card in his hand. Next, and you will walk in. These are some people who will be trembling. But there are people who finished it and said with confidence, I have fought the fight. I have kept the faith. I have done everything he asked me to do. I read that from Paul. I read that about Theodore Epp. And those men were not joking. So it's, it's doable. It's doable. John finished his own, then they beheaded him. Beheading was not punishment. It was God's choice with those days of removing some critical prophets. All those prophets, they used to kill them. Please bear that in mind. So it's possible to finish it. That's what I'm trying to say. It's very, very possible. You can finish the work that God has for you in life and die satisfied. Those who don't believe in God, forget all the noise they make while they are alive. When they're about to die, they are afraid. They get scared. When death faces you and you realize that people die and pass through death into either into everlasting darkness or into light that never fades. If you have ever been shot in a room where there's no light at all, and there's no hope of light, you know what I'm talking about. You know the way children get terrified the first time, you know, leave them in a dark room. Adults get that terrified too when you realize that that darkness has no end. Can again describe the experience? He said, darkness so thick, you felt you could cut it with a knife. No light. That is what happens when God withdraws his presence. Anybody who's died shouting there is no God, when they face death, that's how afraid they become. When Kenegan was telling the story, he said, you can go and check the bed he, lay, he used to lie on, that he wore out the vanish on the bed pole, where he held onto it, fighting to stay alive because he was afraid of death. But after Jesus saved him, he said he always smiled. He said, because I might die in my sleep, I want them to know if they find me dead in the morning that I died happy. If you ever saw the film, Covadis, very old movie. Now, there's something in Covadis that's so beautiful. When Nero will inspect the bodies of the Christians that died, I believe it represents what really happened. He found them smiling. I give them to the lions, they are smiling. I give them to gladiators, they are smiling. Why are they smiling? In that movie, Nero said, it must be Peter. That that man, Peter, must have cast a spell on them. <laughs> but the truth is that Christians see light. They see something that people on the earth don't see, so they are happy. They are not afraid of passing through death. It's on record. Now, what I'm going to emphasize all of this is this. That's just an aside. One day, we will face the Lord Jesus. And let me explain it again. He will specifically ask, Oh boy, oh girl, welcome. So, what did you do with what I gave you as an assignment on the earth to do? One of the things I want Christians to know is the passion of my heart in this season. They should live with a mind of being on assignment. Remember, he wants you to volunteer. I'm reminding you of the second fear we talked about yesterday and last time. And that is fear that you will fail. So read, you know, I'm assuming it's an exam. Prepare yourself. 
work hard, put your body under, run as if you are in a race. That was what Paul said. Run as if you are in a race. You know how they used to run those days? How the athletes in the, in, in the Roman time, how they dressed. They wonder Paul was used as an example. You know what they were? Nothing. They ran naked. Oh, yes. When you see at your mask, get set, go. Naked men. Women were not participating, thank God. <laughs> it's just men. You know why they didn't wear clothes? See, the what to win. Let me give you an example. You never pay taxes again. Do you get my point? If you are a slave, you became a free man. What to win? Hey. And that's how Paul said they are fighting of this for a reason that will perish because they didn't have gold medals. They had flour. They made the crown out of flour. Just leaves. They put it on your head. Then you hang it in the house. It withers after a few days. But the knowledge that you won the thing, you get prizes. You get stuff. So they fight. So that's why wearing a shirt, air resistance, they knew about it. They removed the shirt. They didn't have all these our tights, all these elastic things. So, hey, look, oh boy, what will I wear here? Nothing. They throw everything away. They, they will see your nakedness. They will see my prosperity. Forget that thing. Let me just. <laughs> so Paul says, so all of us should run. Every encumbrance, every sin that does easily beset, he laid aside. Because it will prevent us from winning the prize. That's the second reason we fear. Now, let's bear that in mind. Now, so we Christians must fear. I'm going to emphasize that. Now, back to what we're saying. What does Satan have is the power to accuse. And one of the things we must do is to ensure that we deny him of that power. You, you must ensure that when he gets to the throne of God, he has nothing to say. And no matter how, how much he says, they will tell him, keep silent. Silence? You are lying. Say, Lord, I was there. You were where? When he sinned, I can't see any record of it. Why? Because the record has been purged by the blood. That's how they overcome Satan with the blood. Many people are walking in their sin. They are not confessing their sin. When they see trouble, they say, the blood of Jesus. Satan say, what does it mean? No meaning. They don't speak English up there. I hope you get my point. It's not English. It's not the physical language you speak. It's what comes out of the heart, the reality behind the things that you are saying. That is what the issue is. It's not speaking English. Shouting the blood. Shout the blood seven times. Mm. The only place you shout the blood, you see it. One of the things you must learn in using the blood, we'll talk about it more later, with the blood, what the blood is saying. I'll talk about how just to apply it now. What the blood is saying, it talks about forgiveness. So if, if guilt, accusation wants to come to your heart. I said it last time, one of the things that Satan does is to accuse us to ourselves. Some of the ways he deceives. You have not been forgiven. You may have been forgiven, but the consequences remain. All those lies from people that don't understand the word of God. That is when you reply him, the blood of Jesus. That is, I have been forgiven. It shuts down that voice of accusation. That's about the only way you can do it. That's the only place you can apply that. But you can't just be trying to solve problems shouting the blood. Because the blood is what was used to silence the accusations. When they overcame him, it was by what? The blood. And that 
what were they, what were they overcoming? The accusations. He was accusing them. How do we apply that blood? Remember, we're talking about sin. So we're talking about fear, therefore. We must fear the effect of sin. Sin is powerful. Very powerful. When Job's children died, one of the things I think one of those men said to him was that, peradventure your sons sinned, and God handed them over to the power of their transgressions. Sin has power. The devil doesn't have power. It is sin. Are you getting my point? It is sin that has power. Now, let's talk about sin briefly. Where we are going is how to wipe it out of our lives. I'm just trying to describe what it's like. Don't forget that it has power. It's what Satan feeds on. Like we were praying earlier about the works of the flesh. Satan thrives on it. Do you understand? Satan thrives on it. So let's just understand it's dangerous. It's toxic. It's poisonous. It's a toxin. It's radioactive. So we fight it. We fight it. We, we make sure we overcome it. There are two kinds of sin, according to John. There is sin unto death, and there is sin that is not unto death. I think I'll try today and just talk about what's the difference between one and the other. Alright? Or what is the sin that's unto death, and the one that's not unto death. So there are different kinds of sin. But like John said, no matter the kind of sin we are talking about, let's first establish that all unrighteousness is sin. Why did John say that? It's simply because no matter how little it is, now, sin is not, they are not all the same. Let's get it clear. Say so sin is sin. It's not true. All unrighteousness is sin. But sin is not sin. Sins have weight. That's why John said there is a sin unto death. If they were all the same, why would John say that? They're not all the same. They have different weights. When Jesus was talking about the matter of the law, he said some are weightier than the others. He said it. They were tightening on vegetables. They tightened when you, when you, when you harvested ugu from your backyard. You know? Small vegetables, green. Amaranthus spinosus. What's the botanical name for pumpkin? He said pumpkin. How can pumpkin be the botanical name for pumpkin? Okay. It's pom- pompicus ugurus. Okay. <laughs> The men harvested, no, vegetables at the back of their homes. The Pharisees said, you wait and calculate 10%. And Jesus said, these same people, they did not pursue the weightier matters of the law. So that tells us some things had more weight than tightening on your vegetables. Do you follow my point? That's just to quickly establish that there are different levels. Okay? Now, even though there are different levels, John 9 emphasized to us, That all unrighteousness is sin. No matter how small it is, it is sin. What is sin? What is unrighteousness? Is anything that is lower than God's standard. That's all. If you tell somebody, I'm coming and you don't come, it's a sin. Yes, because God will never say he's coming and he won't come. I want to say something that will surprise you, just to let you know there are all kinds of sins. If you make a mistake in calculation, it's a sin. Why? God never makes mistakes. He said, what do you mean? Why did he say, be perfect as who? Your heavenly father is perfect. If you're supposed to be somewhere, you were not there. It's a sin. But like I said, they, are, they come in what? Different weights. Different levels. If you're supposed to know something, you don't know it, it's a sin. 
True. Ignorance is a sin. Stupidity is a sin. Foolishness is a sin. <laughs> Lack of knowledge is a sin. If you don't see well, it's a sin. If you see too much, it's a sin. If you look at what you're not supposed to look at, it's a sin. If Bathsheba is blessing and you mistakenly look, it's a sin. You did not do it deliberately. <laughs> That's why John said, all unrighteousness. You know why I'm talking like this? Christians think that sin is, ah, what did he do? He stole government money. He'll go to hell. John said, no matter what it is, all unrighteousness is what? Sin. But then, the Bible also describes certain things for us. It said, let, let's, let's read what uh, David said. Psalm 19. I went to all of that trying to emphasize to people that don't just get carried away waiting for big, big sins when you possibly are working in the small ones. Are you getting my point? And no matter how small it is, all unrighteousness is what? Sin. Yes. Let's start from verse um, 9. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold. Yes, more than fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Now notice verse 12. Who can discern his errors? He said, acquit me of hidden faults. Verse 13 says, also keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. Then I will be blameless. And I shall be acquitted of great transgression. Please hold that and then quickly open to the book of Exodus about 33. I want us to read something. We are going to pray. It's our school of prayer. Exodus 33. Now when... Okay, sorry, can I just correct that? Exodus 34. Is it, the context is from 33, but it goes into 34. Exodus 34, verse 5. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him as he called upon the name of the Lord. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. Now, where am I? Okay, yes. Who keeps loving kindness for thousands? Now, notice this. Who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin? Now notice that. Who forgives what? Iniquity, transgression, and sin. Yet he will not, he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished and all of that. Let me just stop here. I want to bring out something here that the Lord described three categories of what we call sin. He talked about iniquity, he talked about transgression, and then he talked about sin. Now, please, just by the way, now say, but he called everything sin. Um, you have to understand that translations are very so all of them come under what in the New Testament we just call sin generally. The other day, my wife and I were discussing it, so she she forced me to explain the difference the differences between these three, and I'll try to just um, I'm not saying this is the final word on it, but I have a very good idea. Okay, 
You see where I'm going? Because I want to show that there are differences and how we handle them. Now, transgression is when you have been given an instruction and you do otherwise. Transgression requires knowledge. Ten commandments. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Iniquity is slightly different. First time I heard iniquity described, I went to church. Pastor Chris Okuti was one teaching that day. And took it from the Hebrew and I began to explain. Iniquity is just the natural tendency we have to disobey. What I mean is this. If you don't know what is right to do. You know Jesus said something. The servant that does not know what is right to do, so does not do it. What happens to him? He's forgiven entirely and he goes free of charge. True or false? Eh? Okay, some people say true, some say false. It's false. Jesus said that he receives what? Few stripes. They will flog him small. Now it's striking that he didn't know what to do. And so he didn't do it. And you are still punishing him. That's what is called iniquity. Not knowing what to do in itself is a problem. Are you getting my point? If naturally you have a hot temper, you were born like that, it's called iniquity. It's not your fault. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's some of the arguments we have in the world of today, trying to prove to us that homosexuals were born homosexual. It's begging the question. It's irrelevant, a point. You can be born in iniquity. Are you getting my point? You can be born in iniquity. Just like you can be born blind. It does not make blindness normal. People can fall sick and then they stop seeing. Age can happen to their eyes, but some were born blind. It does not make it normal. Iniquity refers to things to just do, maybe because of the society. If I like the example that um, Pastor Okotie gave that day, he gave an example. He said, because he was in Lagos, he said that, and it's very common in the West, and I think it's become nationally you know, a, a saying now. Even the, the vice president used it one day. When somebody said that um, one of these comedians, was it AY, one of them, put money on his table that he should, that he said, as soon into his life, he should, he should multiply it. He said, you forgot that manageable man. Are you getting my point? Uh-huh. So we all believe that the Jebu people are tight-fisted. Money, to peel the money off, you need chizu. <laughs> now, it doesn't mean it's true, but that's the general belief. Okay? Now, let us assume it is true. So, Pastor Chris said that day, then that will be described as the iniquity of the Jebu man. It's not a specific transgression per se. So, you grow up in the society, you're just stingy. So, it's just something that's in the air, it becomes part of you. In that category will also come things that are just natural to human beings. For example, David walked in one perpetual iniquity. He loved many women. You know that? Even though for him it became a transgression. Solomon talked about it. He said, this is a pleasure of all men. Many concubines. I used to tell my wife when we were discussing some things. I said, never tell me you know I'm a woman. It annoys me to use it to justify something you are doing. And I said, don't. Do you follow my point? I said, once you say you know I'm a woman, you see, you have forgotten that there's the natural man is a sinner. So let's be objective. What we are talking about, is it right or is wrong? The reason why you are doing it is called iniquity, if it is wrong. You get the logic here. The reason is called iniquity. Transgression is something you deliberately, that is, you have a law and you break the law. That is transgression. Now, 
I'm using all of this to explain something here. So David, when he was speaking, he said that, Cleanse me of what? Secret faults. Where is it? Verse 12. Who can discern his errors? Psalm 19. Acquit, acquit me of hidden faults. Also keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. What is presumptuous sin? Don't eat that fruit. You eat it. Nothing will happen. <laughs> are you getting my point? Now, it's all of this, so let's, uh, let's, uh, let us understand that there are different types. At the end of the day, John now gave a final verdict. What did he say? All unrighteousness is sin. Then the same John said, there is a sin unto death and a sin that is not unto death. Now, the division of sin unto death or not unto death is different. All of this can be unto death or not unto death, whether it is a transgression, whether it's a secret fault. Now, let me quickly say it. What makes a sin unto death is one simple thing. You have been corrected. A sin that is not unto death becomes a sin unto death after correction has been offered to you. Bear that in mind. We are talking about sin for Christians to understand. I went to all of those things I said for you to know that this is where Satan gets power from. Why did I go into all those small, small things? I said, this is sin, this is sin. That is why John said, if we say we have no sin, that was the mistake Job made. Because Job sat down there and all the sins he knew were sins that would qualify for transgressions and presumptuous sins. But errors he did not understand. They were there. He claimed they were not there. He stood there and said, what have I done? Ah, that was why when God began to talk to Job, God did not sit on what Job had done. He sat mostly on what Job did not know. Where were you when I created the heavens? Where were you when I created the earth? Can you muzzle Leviathan? He sat on things that Job had no idea about. He sat there and described, listen to this, he described the glory of God to Job. So that Job suddenly had a new reference for what is right and what is wrong. Before everything that Job knew was commandments. Things they taught them in their Bible school of those days, if I use that expression. So that's why he told the other guys, Eliphaz and Co., that I know what you know. It was only what he knew that he could judge himself by. But David said, what about the hidden faults? What about the errors you do not understand? All of them is unrighteousness. All of them is sin. Do you understand the logic here? But it is not a sin unto death when you don't know. That is why Abraham, he committed a a transgression and a presumptuous sin and told his wife to agree with him to deceive Abimelech. Was Abimelech because of that without fault? No. Jesus came to him, uh, so the, well, Jesus actually, but the Lord came to him in the dream. He said, you're a dead man. No. Now, he said, he's not unto the No, this is what I'm trying to say. God offered him what? The chance. The man said, ah, you know I'm a man of integrity. I normally wouldn't do it. He said, that's why I have come to tell you. Because it would not be right for me to kill you because he did not know. The servant that does not know and therefore does not do what is right, he receives what? Few stripes. At that point in time, there was disease in his house. For something he did not know. The pregnant women were miscarrying that night. The moment Sarah entered that house, two children started convulsing. Breeze came, removed a part of the roof. 
Abimelech was happening. We were wondering, what's going on? Then they rushed two of the wives to hospital at the same time. What happened? They are miscarrying. Ah, Abimelech was wondering, Lord, what is going on here? So he went to sleep. And the Lord said, ah, this is preamble to killing you. <laughs> your death is doing press up. This is your death exercising itself. <laughs> so he said, no, it cannot be a sin unto death. I, do not, I did not know. He said, yes, that's why I have come. What you did is so wrong, but because you do not know about it. I said, okay, let me come and tell you about it. But if the Lord walked away and Sarah remained in that house, it becomes a sin unto death. No matter the excuse. And it was his fault. He was the one that first lied to me in the first place. Once the Lord offers correction. Don't joke with correction, no. When they finish correcting you, raise your nose. That's how I am. Our family, we're all like this. Your family, you're all dead meat. Are you getting my point? Yes. <laughs> how we overcome Satan's schemes is what I'm talking about. No, we don't play with correction. Christians, we don't play with correction. No matter how small it is, go and pray with it. No matter how right you think you are, go and pray with it. Your life is being saved. Every man's way is right in his own eyes. You think you are right does not mean you are right. The wrong man thinks he's right too. You're not the only one that thinks you are right. The man that's going to hell thinks he's right. One beautiful thing we have as believers is that our God is alive. He has given us the Holy Spirit. I know what the Holy Spirit does. He has given us the Holy Spirit to lead us into what? All truth. Many of the problems we have in life today is not Satan. It's called iniquity. We did not know. That's why John emphasized it. If we say we have no sin, the problem is that when people, when people talk about sin, they are thinking about the big, big ones. Whose wife did I take? Who lent me money I didn't pay back? Who did I buy something from and I did not give him his money? Who? Which lie did I ever tell? Job was once in all of this. Job sat down and narrated everything, but he was only focusing on transgression. He did not know that sin is definitely broader than that. That is why David said, if God were to number iniquity, nobody, nobody will stand. Nobody. So how do we, that's why John now said it. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not enough. You know the meaning of that? It means you don't know enough. I don't know where, are you getting my point? That if you knew enough, you will know that there is an area of your life you need to improve in. I hope you know, once Derek Prince says something, let me just use it as an illustration. One day he developed a serious medical condition called infective endocarditis. He said he was really troubled, and he went to go and pray. Many Christians won't like this, but I have to preach the truth to you. Please follow me, believe me, I'm saving your life. The Lord said to him, the problem is you eat too much. In case you did not know, I know more than the average doctor, I can say more than 95% of doctors on the earth, I know more about infective endocarditis than they do. And eating has nothing to do with it. You say why? I've taught that subject to students for more than 15 years. So I'm forced to read. I'm forced to update the things that I know about it. And I can assure you, I've not found anything that has to do with food. Yet the Lord said to him, the problem is that you... You, are, you have refused to discipline yourself concerning food. Now, who will believe? And he was not an obese man. No. Don't be scared. To whom much is given, much is expected. He had reached a level in life. God says you should know when to drop the spoon. 
It's not everywhere you go, they give you food, you open your mouth and swallow. So the Lord pinned him on the hospital bed for weeks. Kenneth Hagin said he went to the toilet to go and ease himself. A man of faith. A man who the best doctors available in the United States had given up on. His father sent a letter about his case to the biggest hospital that time. And they told him that if the other doctor said to you that your son's case is incurable, your grandson's case is incurable, don't bother coming. He's the best in that area. Yet, he prayed, believed God. He got up one day as a young man and lived and did not die until he was 88. Yet one day. That was the age of 17. Yet one day. He said he went to the toilet, went to ease himself. And he found blood coming out of his urine. Listen, you're a spiritual person. You should learn to think spiritually. You didn't think, oh, my enemies. Or what? It? No. Instantly, he checked himself. Lord, what is going on? He prayed. The blood was still coming. Ah. So he went and prayed, Lord, what is going on? And the Holy Spirit spoke to him clearly. What were you doing thinking about starting a church on Rima Bible Training Center campus? And he said to the Lord, I wasn't planning to start the church. I was just thinking about it. He said, that thought is a sin. That you are not even allowed to entertain it as a thought. So you turn to the Lord and say, I'm sorry. And this is one thing about God. Always quick to forgive. That the Bible says is abounding in loving kindness. He's slow to anger, but quick to forgive. The Lord said to me, what are you doing? Thinking about what? Which church? Where? He repented and his urine cleared. Listen, all this fighting Satan, let's forget him. Where we fight Satan is we fight every form of iniquity. I've first established that there are two basic forms. Well, there, yes, two basic forms, depending on the way you look at it. There is one, secret faults, which are, which are the same thing that errors you don't understand. The servant that does not know. Are you getting my point? That's, then there is one that knows. But John said all of them is what? Sin. What makes a sin a sin unto death and not unto death is that you have been corrected. And you still stand there and say, you know, you start giving excuses. This is Nigeria. If you don't do like this, how do you move forward? They say, no, now you signed for this office that you work for them for the next few months. They got another offer one month later. You want to walk away like you didn't make an agreement. He said, eh, eh, you know, that's how they'll just be using you. These employers, they just use people. They just prove to you that you are useful. Are you seeing another way of looking at it? And I need to prove to them I'm useless. <laughs> I say this because when I was in Lagos, it was a raining thing for bankers. Unfaithful people that time. People were there explaining away their iniquity. Let me say something, another thing to you, believers. If the Philistine doubts God, he will not die in the wilderness. So. If the Edomite doubts God, he won't die in the wilderness. So. You know who doubts God and dies in the wilderness? The Israelites, children of promise. What am I saying? I said something last time, God wants to distinguish his people. But doesn't start distinguishing them with the miracles. He first starts the distinguishing process with their character, their, their, their frame the frame of reference, you know, the way they do things. This is the word of the Lord. What unbelievers get away with, you will not get away with it. 
You hear what I said? What unbelievers get away with, you and I are not getting away with it. Why? We are the people of God. No matter how much God overlooks disobedience and iniquity, he never blesses it. He can't. Alright, you must understand another thing. Let me explain that. We are born ignorant, true of us. Then we acquire knowledge over time, true? A time comes, if you are still ignorant of some things, it becomes a deliberate sin. Do you hear what I said? The Lord gives a time reference for everything. There is a time that you are allowed to be ignorant. There is a time he makes knowledge available. If you decide to remain in ignorance, that alone becomes a presumptuous sin. Because he gave an instruction. Acquire knowledge. You know that's not advice. It's a direct commandment. Seek wisdom. Pursue it. If the wisdom won't come to your house, your refusal to go and look for it is a sin. You know, I was listening to the message we preached last time, and I was ready to laugh. Then I noticed when we were praying, I said laughing to myself, we said die like ten times. Die, die, die. And I was laughing. Do you know what I was laughing? The things we were killing. If you go to some churches that we all know, when you hear die, it's your neighbor. When you hear die, it's the boss. When you hear die, it's the enemies. But that day we were shouting die. He said, laugh. I, I wasn't, I was not leading prayer. I wasn't deliberate. We we're just saying, anger, die. Fear, die. Anxiety, die. Fear of tomorrow, die. Unforgiveness, die. Darkness in my heart, die. I said, laughing. You know, I was laughing. I didn't know we did the die, die, die thing. But I said to myself, good. These are the things that must die. This die, 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 your enemies should die. Is a, now, just by the way, I hope you know it dies. It works. It's called witchcraft. Witchcraft works. You are an assistant devil. Joke, I'm not joking. When you do that, you are an assistant to Satan. You and Satan are working together, accuser of the brethren. God does not delight in the death of a sinner. You will delight in it. I just noticed we were praying here last time. Die. 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 And who are we talking to die? What are we asking to die? Every darkness in our hearts. Every fear of tomorrow. Every anxiety. Every sin that doth easily beset. We are telling them, die. By fire. Thank you. By fire. It didn't cross our minds that somebody beside us should die. Just by the way, God kills people. Oh, he does. But let's leave him to decide who he's going to kill and who's going to live a life. Our duty is to kill the things that Satan tries on in us. For time's sake, I think I'll stop it here. But I just wanted to understand that so far. So how do we react, therefore, Christians? First, we have an attitude that everything that we know that is sin, we fight it. We fight it with prayer. We, that's how we apply the blood. First thing we do, we know it is sin, is called confession. What is confession? Accepting, agreeing verbally. First in the heart, but it must come out of the mouth. You said it is wrong. It is wrong. 
There are things you will confess as sin and you're enjoying it. What I'm saying is that you're enjoying your mind. God, this is good, but you said it is bad. You're not saying that arrogantly. You're saying that in submission. Are you getting my point? That, Lord, if it is how I feel, I will kill everybody. All my name is die. But, Lord, you said we should bless those who despitefully use us. So I repent grudgingly of... (laughs) Now, why am I talking like this? I just want you to know, it's not about how you feel. It's about what knowledge provokes in you. Do you get my point? It's not about how you feel. It's about what knowledge provokes in you. This is how to fail in life. This is how to die early. This is how to fall sick as a believer. Once knowledge has provoked in you the reality that something is a sin, this is how to now fail, die, and become sick. Start explaining away why you are doing it. I wish we believers would just get the point that Satan doesn't have the kind of power we think he has. He totally doesn't have it. This is where he gets the power from. Tell somebody, the way you talk is bad. You say, I grew up in a, in a polygamous home. If you don't speak up for yourself, nobody will speak for you. They put food in a big bowl and they put four pieces of meat and you have seven children. You got to move, man. You know? <laughs> All this story that we are telling you that the way you talk is bad. It's my parents. When they talk to you, you, you have to learn to. Well, listen. That is called passport to premature death. That is the empowerment. You know, there's what they call economic empowerment. That is Satan empowerment. You're empowering Satan in your life. Nobody is saying it is your fault that it started. A man was born blind. Was it his fault? But he's still blind. When they put something on his eyes, go to the pool and go and wash, how will it be that he will go there and be saying that, go and put it on my father's eyes. He's the one that, uh, be, oh, is it my mother that gave it to me? One of the two of them. Anyway, go and put it on my mother's eyes. Why should I be the one to walk that distance? Am I the one that gave it to myself? No matter where I started from, now you're day blind. You are the one that is not seen. Stop these excuses. Get up. Go to the pool and go and wash. So, it's because you're from a polygamous home where seven children fight over four pieces of meat. Praise the Lord for your father. It's because the way your parents will behave. Thank God for their lives. Right now, you are the one that has been, that whose spirit and soul has been deformed by that experience. So, what do you do? You kneel down and say, Lord, I talk wrongly. I have found out. I want to tell you I recognize it is wrong. I am sorry. Empower me from today not to do it anymore. It cleanses you of all unrighteousness. That's how the blood is applied, stage one. It's not a shout of the blood. It is a confession of your sin. Let me tell you what the Holy Spirit does in your life. Every day reveals a new thing to you. Oh, yes. That's what he does. I told you one of my best examples. I walk in a place where one of my senior colleagues was visually impaired. And the man could be problematic. Something, you know? Prince, you know, just, you know, this way it is, this way it is. So sometimes people don't want discussion. They make signs behind his back. Then one day I read my Bible that you are not allowed to curse the deaf man. That is, God said you must never take advantage of anybody's disability. 
may look small, but that is what call, we call what repentance of sin. Right then, there are, you know what he said? Go to Jeremiah chapter 3. He said, only acknowledge your iniquity. There's no other, just acknowledge that it's wrong. What we are doing is out of order. Only do what? Acknowledge. Including little things like telling somebody, I'll call you back. You don't bother to call back. How many people do it? Don't bother putting up your hand. I know you're a sinner. <laughs> I know everybody here. Go and re- listen to Habitation of God. I explained it there. I found out that it's a sin. So these days, I try not to tell people, I'll call you back. We'll talk later. Let's leave it like that. Later. Next year is later. I just, you know, there are little, little things I just try. Why? Because I found out that your words, the the accuracy of your word when it comes to real things is very important to the Lord. Your words have to be accurate. So every day you move it closer and closer. You know, I used to wonder, Kenegi will be teaching, will be teaching. He will say, and then uh, three of us went and we were talking to the people. No, no, we're, we're not three, we're two. You know, and they were speaking and then we spoke for like ten minutes. No, I think we spoke more like eight minutes. And I'm like, Oga, why are you bothering to correct these fine details? Until they got to a point in my life, I found myself doing it. I found out that it's important to him. So you see, trivial things, you would think. But after a while, God upgrades what was trivial. What was a small sin to one person, the Lord upgrades it. It becomes a serious sin. <laughs> what do I mean by upgrading? The Lord just gives what? Knowledge. And listen to me, why does he do that? He wants to harass your life? No. It's not like he wants to harass your life. That's not why he does it. Why he does it is because every level of unrighteousness, all unrighteousness is seen, remember, is removing something from your destiny. There is none that goes without consequence. He overlooks for a while. Then he says, I need to bless Job. Job can only attain this level of righteousness, of uh, prosperity, this level of blessing, when he takes care of all presumptuous sins and all transgressions. So Job did that. Then God said, we need to upgrade him. We need to birth a new level of blessing on the earth through Job. So what do we do? We need to bring him to the level where he understands this. What is called secret faults and errors they do not understand. We need to bring him to a level where God becomes the standard of his righteousness. That was why God did what he did to Job. Go and read your Bible. The temptation of Job was never Satan's idea. Before the problem of Job began, Satan had given up. It was God that said, have you considered my servant Job? He said, I did. After considering him, we left him alone. God now said, let's have, an, let's have a deal. Why would he do that to Job? Whatever you think Job went, went through was small compared to what God, the glory that was to be bested in his life. What he went through, the Bible calls it a temporal and light affliction. I know it's heavy, but God said it's temporal and it's light. So the temporal and light affliction, all he's supposed to get in his life, an eternal weight of glory. That's the point. The glory that will come out of Job's life couldn't be compared. We're still here talking about him. 
So why does God upgrade errors you do not understand? Why does it make what was light something you have to get out of your life? Because without it, there is a level that will never manifest as long as that thing is not taken advantage of. There's a level of glory waiting to be manifested. Let's rise to our feet. Let's pray. Let's rise to our feet. Can you see how Satan is being tackled? I don't leave people in prayer. Satan, Satan, in the name of Jesus, you will die. Satan is not planning to die. Nobody is killing him. Your neighbor will not die unless he sins against God. You know, you know the truth? God kills people for things other people don't bother about. And many of the things people God should kill somebody for, he said, that's a small thing. So don't worry about people who are dying who are not dying. In due season, those who are supposed to die will die if they don't repent. Don't say amen, no, because it will appear as if you want people to die. But what needs to die in you and in me is every level of unrighteousness. Let's begin to pray. First with thanksgiving. We're going to stop now because our time. I, I spoke so long today. First, let's start with thanksgiving. Say, Lord, thank you for giving me light. Say, Lord, thank you for giving me light. Lord, thank you for bringing understanding. Lord, thank you for upgrading my knowledge. Lord, thank you for taking me out of darkness. Lord, I thank you for not allowing me to continue to walk in confusion, in ignorance, in darkness. Lord, I thank you for wisdom. Lord, I thank you for light. Lord, I thank you for understanding. Lord, I thank you for wisdom. Lord, I thank you for light. Lord, I thank you for understanding. Give thanks. Give thanks. Take a minute. Thanksgiving is very important. Thanksgiving is very important. Thanksgiving is very important. Thanksgiving is very, very important. Say, Lord, I thank you for empowering me with knowledge. Lord, I thank you because Satan doesn't have power over me. <laughs> I can resist the devil. He will flee from me. I'm an overcomer in Christ Jesus. By the power of the blood. Lord, I thank you. The blood has been shed for me. The blood has been shed for me. Lord, I thank you for the blood. That blood, that blood, the blood of Jesus has been shed for me. It has washed me clean. It has washed me clean. I've been transferred out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Into the kingdom of your dear son. In him I have redemption, even the forgiveness of sins. Thank you, Lord, because every past sin has been forgiven. My past has been washed away. Let's just thank God for, for that. Lord, my past has been washed away. Lord, my past has been washed away. Say, Lord, my past has been washed away. Thank you. It's so important. Lord, I've been forgiven. The consequences too have been washed away. I don't believe that lie that they say the consequence must remain. No. Say, Lord, thank you. Because in, my, because in my life, you make all things new. Lord, thank you. Because in my life, you have made all things new. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Thank you, Lord. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Say, Lord, I thank you. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. Everything has become new. I'm renewed. I'm renewed in my spirit. I am being renewed constantly by the entrance of the word. I'm being washed clean by the entrance of the word. You are washing me with the washing of water by the word. Thank you for making me an agent of light, an agent of truth, an agent of change. I bring God into the environment. The spirit of God is working in me. So that through me, he will bless the environment I'm in. 
I stop the forces of darkness. I stop the forces of death because I walk in righteousness. Give God thanks. Confess that thing. <laughs> I stop the forces of death. Satan has no power in my life because I'm in Christ Jesus. I've been delivered from sin. He comes to me. He has nothing in me. My past has been washed clean. All my sins have been forgiven. All my sins have been forgiven. The blood of Jesus speaks for me. The blood of Jesus speaks for me. The blood of Jesus speaks for me. The blood of Jesus speaks for me, speaks for me. It has washed me, it has washed me. Now I am washed, now I am clean in the name of Jesus. Now I am washed, now I am clean. Say, Holy Spirit, thank you. You are revealing every little bit of impurity left in me. And I confess them out. And I'm forgiven and washed thoroughly clean again. By the power of the blood of Jesus. By the power of the blood of Jesus. By the power in his word. I am washed. I am separated unto him. Lord, I thank you. (laughs) Because you are washing me entirely clean. So that the fullness of your glory may manifest in my life. I see the project, Lord. I see the project. See, Christ is fully formed in me. See, Christ is fully formed in me. I commit myself to that project. The full forming of Christ in me. The full manifestation of the Spirit of Christ. So that everything is wiped away. Every stronghold is removed. I'm being brought forth perfectly clean. Lord, I thank you for what you are doing. Oh, Lord, I thank you. Now I know. Devil, the devil can't hold me down. The agents of darkness can't hold me down. Because I'm set free. I've been set free in Christ Jesus. The prince of this world may come, but he has nothing in me. I am washed. Everybody say after me, say I'm washed. I am, washed. I am, clean. I am clean. By the washing power of the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Say the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus was, shed for me. was shed for me. It wipes away my iniquity. Wipes away my, iniquity. my transgression. My transgression. And, my and my sin. Why did I distinguish all of this? Even the natural tendency, the blood cleanses it. Yet if we allow it, it does. Declare the case in the name of Jesus. The blood of Jesus wipes away my transgression, my iniquity, and my sins. In the name of Jesus. See, I am set free. I am free. Every sin has been forgiven. See, the blood of Jesus constantly purges. It's constantly purging me from every disobedience. Every level of unrighteousness. I'm being purged. The perfect image of Christ is being formed in me. See, as a result, healing is my portion. Confession is out of my life. Progress is natural. Yeah, I want you to understand that. It's now is natural. Oh, that's what God just wants to do, remove those impurities. Progress is natural. For your life, progress is natural. I said progress is natural. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Say by the power of the blood of Jesus. By the power of the blood of Jesus. I have been set above every hindrance. I have been set above every because sin. Say because sin. Because sin. Makes people short of God's glory. Makes short of God's but I am being restored. Into the glory of God for my life. Just whip your hands to the Lord and give him thanks. Say Lord I thank you. Say Lord we give you praise. Lord, I give you praise. Lord, I give you praise. Say, Lord, I give you praise. Just thank him. 
People of God, that's how to overcome the devil. In the name of Jesus. All right, let's close. The Lord is good. Let's share the grace in fellowship. One, two, let's go. Because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, surely we are passed out of death and we are passed into life. We are passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication, dominion, and shining forth in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please, sow into three people's lives around you. This is your season. Two more people. This is your season. One more person. This is your season. Don't forget yourself. This is my season of multiplication, dominion, and shining forth. All right, Cherub brethren.